0: Section forty three of A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume Three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume Three, by Henry Charles Lee. Book Eight, Chapter Two, Spheres of Action, Moriscos, Part Five. The commission wearied with its fruitless labors was about to abandon the field when it received a letter from charles stating that as god had granted him the victory of pavia he could evince his gratitude in no way more effective than by compelling all the infidels in his dominions to submit to baptism they were therefore ordered to remain and to undertake this new conversion in conjunction with a fresh colleague fray calcena afterwards bishop of tortosa we have seen that in preparation for this he had near the end of 1523 or in the early part of 1524 applied to clement the seventh to absolve him from the oath taken in 1518 not to expel or make forced conversions and clement is said to have at first refused the request declaring it to be scandalous the persistence of the ambassador the Duke of Sesa, however, prevailed over Clement's scruples, and the brief was issued May twelfth, 1524, though for a time it was kept secret. It commenced by reciting the papal grief on learning that, in Valencia, Catalonia, and Aragon, Charles had many Moorish subjects with whom the faithful could not hold intercourse without danger, and who served as spies for their brethren in Africa he was therefore exhorted to order the inquisitors to preach to them and in case of obstinacy he was to designate a term after which they should be expelled under pain of perpetual slavery to be rigorously enforced the tithes which they had never paid should in future accrue to their lords in recompense for the damage caused by the expulsion under condition that the lords should supply the churches with what was requisite for divine service While the revenues of the mosques should provide endowments for benefices the fateful brief concluded by formally cleansing charles from his oath of 1518 absolving him from all penalties and censures for perjury and granting him whatever dispensation was necessary for the due execution of the foregoing and it further conferred on the inquisitors ample faculties to suppress oppression notwithstanding all apostolical constitutions and all laws of the land Charles was thus set free to work his will in despite of oaths and of laws yet for eighteen months he held the brief without using it waiting perhaps for the settlement of the question of baptism and for the agitation in Valencia to subside at length on September 13th 1525 he addressed letters to the nobles informing them of his irrevocable resolve not to allow a Moor or an infidel to dwell in his dominions except as a slave He recognized that expulsion would affect their interests, and consequently he urged them to go to their estates and cooperate with the commissioners in procuring the conversion and instruction of their vassals. Accompanying this was a brief letter to the Moors, informing them of the determination to which he had been inspired by Almighty God, that his law should prevail throughout the land, and of his desire for their salvation. Wherefore he exhorted and commanded them to submit to baptism. If they did so, they should have the liberties of Christians and good treatment. If they refused, he would find other means. The next day, a proclamation was addressed to the Moors, emphatically repeating these threats and promises, and forbidding any interference with conversion or insults to converts, under penalty of 5,000 florins and the royal wrath. The same day, a letter to Queen Germaine tacitly admitted the futility of depriving the Moriscos of their religion without providing a substitute he had learned he said that in many villages of the converts there were no priests to give instruction or to celebrate mass and he ordered her to see that they were instructed and ministered to thriftily adding that in lands of royal jurisdiction care must be taken to reserve the patronage of the new churches to the crown the commissioners, armed with the full powers as inquisitors, lost no time in announcing to the Moors the irrevocable resolve of the Emperor with a term of grace of eight days after which they would execute the decrees. The frightened Alhamas deputed twelve alfiques to supplicate of Charles the revocation of the edict. Queen Germaine granted them a safe conduct, and they were received at court, carrying with them fifty thousand ducats to propitiate persons of importance and Although at the moment they accomplished nothing, eventually, as we shall see, they secured a concordia, which, as usual, was granted only to be violated. Meanwhile, on November 3rd, Charles enclosed the papal brief to the inquisitors with instructions to enforce it without delay. At the same time, he notified the authorities, secular and ecclesiastical, that it invalidated all the fueros, privileges, and constitutions to which he had sworn that he had instructed the Inquisition to enforce it, and that the local magistrates, under pain of 10,000 florins, must execute whatever the Inquisitors might decree. Having thus made the Moors understand the fate in store for them, on November 25th he issued a general decree of expulsion. All those of Valencia were to be out of Spain by December 31st, and those of Catalonia and Aragon by January 31st, 1526 as in 1502 there was no exemption promised for conversion but similarly the obstacles thrown in the way of expatriation showed the real intent of the edict the Valencians were ordered to register and obtain passports at Siete Aguas on the Cuencan frontier and then plot their weary way to Coruña where they were to embark under pain of confiscation and slavery while the nobles were threatened with a fine of 5,000 ducats for each one whom they might retain At the same time was published a papal brief ordering, under pain of excommunication, all Christians to aid in enforcing the imperial decrees and all Moors to listen without replying to the teachings of the gospel. Still another edict, which ordered that all Moors must be baptized by December 8th or be prepared to leave the country, showed by implication that conversion would relieve from exile. Then the Inquisition gave notice that it was prepared to act, and it published tremendous censures, with a penalty of a thousand florins, against all failing to aid it against those who obstinately resisted the sweetness of the gospel and the benignant plans of the emperor. When the Alfiques reported the failure of their mission, the great bulk of the Valencian Moors submitted to baptism. Fray Antonio de Guevara, who was foremost in the work, boasts that he baptized 20,000 families, But the Moriscos subsequently asserted that this wholesale conversion was accomplished by corralling them in pens and scattering water over them, when some would seek to hide themselves and others would shout, No water has touched me! They endured it, they said, because their alfiques assured them that deceit was permissible and that they need not believe the religion which they were compelled to profess. Many hid themselves. Some took refuge in Benaguasil which surrendered March 27th, after a five-weeks siege, but the Sierra de Espadan was the scene of a more formidable revolt, which was not subdued until September 19th, with considerable slaughter. Others again betook themselves to the Sierra de Bernia, to Guadalete, and Confridas, but these mostly succeeded in escaping to Africa. Thus was Valencia converted and pacified. The Moriscos, as we may now call them, were disarmed. The pulpits of their alphiques were torn down, their Qurans were burnt, and orders were given to instruct them competently in the faith. Orders, as we shall see, perpetually reissued and never executed. In Aragon, before the edicts, premonitions of the future had aroused much agitation. The Moors ceased to labor in the fields and shops, causing great anxiety as to impending famine. The deputados were called upon to act and while preparing to send envoys to charles they gave to the count of ribagorza who chanced to be at the court a memorial addressed to him this appealed to the solemn oaths taken by him and ferdinand it represented that the whole industry and prosperity of the land rested upon the moors who raised the harvests and produced the manufactures while the incomes of churches and convents of benefices and the gentry of widows and orphans were derived from their censos or loans They were practically the slaves of their feudal lords to whom they were obedient and they had never been known to pervert a christian or cause scandal they lived at a distance from the coast so that they could hold no intercourse with barbary and the law punished by enslavement all attempts to leave the kingdom their expulsion would cause ruin while if converted they would be enfranchised and enabled to go abroad as they had ceased to sow their lands immediate relief of their fears was necessary to avert a famine Ribagorza's influence procured a brief delay, but Charles's practical reply was a proclamation, published in Saragossa december twenty second, forbidding any more to leave the kingdom, prohibiting all purchases of property from them, closing their mosques, and abolishing their public shambles. This increased the alarm, and risings occurred in some places, followed by others after the publication of the edict of expulsion, but they were not serious. The date of expulsion was postponed until march fifteenth, 1526 and as it approached there were other risings but they were readily suppressed the moors were disarmed and as a whole they submitted to baptism the whole morisco population was now at the mercy of the inquisition but every consideration both of policy and of charity dictated a tolerant exercise of power until they could be instructed and won over to their new faith This the Suprema recognized by ordering that they should be treated with great moderation. Possibly this may explain the absence of trials for heresy by the Valencia Tribunal in 1525 and 1527, but in the intermediate and subsequent years there is no abatement in its activity, which was not only in disobedience of the commands of the Suprema, but a direct violation of the Concordia, agreed to January 6, 1526, although not published until 1528. This Concordia was the result of the labors of the Alfiques sent to the court in 1525. It was granted with the consent of Inquisitor-General Manrique. It was solemnly confirmed by Charles in the Cortes of Monzon in 1528, when it was declared to comprehend all the kingdoms of the crown of Aragon, but when it was published by the Bail general of Valencia under orders from Charles, Manrique rebuked him for so doing. Its main provisions are worth reciting if only to show the questions arising, and as an instance of the faithlessness habitually shown to the Moriscos, for scarce one of the articles favorable to them was observed. It set forth that the new converts could not at once abandon the Moorish ceremonies, which they observed rather through habit than with intention, and that prosecution by the Inquisition would be their total destruction, wherefore the Inquisition should not proceed against them for forty years, as had been granted to the Moors of Granada. As for their garments they might wear out those existing but new ones must be made in the Christian fashion as most of the men and all the women could speak only Arabic they could use it for ten years during which time they must learn Castilian or Valencian new cemeteries were to be constructed for them near the mosques now converted into churches dispensations were to be granted by the legate or the Pope for all existing marriages and betrothals within the prohibited degrees but future ones must conform to the canons To the request that their arms should be restored to them the answer was that they should be treated like other christians to the argument that they could not pay the old tributes and imposts if they were forbidden to work on feast days nor was it reasonable that they should be prevented from changing domicile the equivocal reply was that they should be treated like other christians but without prejudice to third parties there was also permission to continue as corporations the old morarias in royal territory All this Charles guaranteed for himself and for Prince Philip, and ordered its strict observance by all officials, from the highest to the lowest, under the pain of royal wrath and a fine of three thousand ducats. In a few months after the promulgation of the concordia the suprema published everywhere a declaration that it referred only to trivial customs and did not condone the use of moorish rites and ceremonies and that those who performed them or lapsed from the faith were to be duly prosecuted to all of which it stated that the emperor acceded when therefore the aragonese nobles in 1529 presented remonstrances to charles and to manrique The latter replied that it was their salvation, and not their injury, that was sought, and that he hoped that God might lay his hands upon them, so that all would eventuate well. The hand of God, as laid upon them through the Inquisition, was not merciful, for in 1531 the Valencia Tribunal had fifty-eight trials for heresy, with some thirty-seven burnings in person, most of whom presumably were Moriscos. Saragossa was somewhat milder for in 1530 it reported that in the last auto it had reconciled a number of moriscos, commuting confiscation and prison into fines, and in some cases to scourging, that the fines had been assigned to a cleric who should instruct the penitents, but the receiver had refused to surrender the money, whereupon the Suprema suggested a separate collection of fines and their payment to instructors. Thus the Inquisition went imperturbably on its way, and when the Cortes of the Three Kingdoms complained that it was notorious that there had been no attempt to instruct the Moriscos or to provide churches for them, and that it was a great abuse to prosecute them as heretics, Cardinal Manrique unctuously replied that they had been treated with all moderation and benignity, and that for the future provision would be made, with the assent of the Emperor, as best comported with the service of God and the salvation of their souls. Even more defiantly self-willed was the conduct of the Inquisition with regard to confiscations. We have seen that these were the property of the crown and that, when the Inquisition was allowed to retain the proceeds, it was a concession dependent upon the will of the sovereign. Yet it sturdily set aside the laws of the land and the commands of the emperor, and persisted in confiscating the property of its penitents. The earliest fuero of Valencia, granted by Jaime I after the conquest, provided that in capital cases of heresy and treason, Allodial lands and personal property should accrue to the king, while feudal lands and those held under rent charge or other service should revert to the lord. The new Inquisition disregarded this, and in 1488 the Cortes of Orejuela demanded its observance, to which Ferdinand assented. Still the Inquisition persisted, and he agreed to the demands of the Cortes of 1510 that he should compound for all lands thus illegally obtained. This was equally fruitless and in 1533 the Cortes of Monzon repeated the complaint it was the lords and churches that suffered by the confiscations inflicted on their vassals and some compromise should be reached as to past infractions of the Fuero to this the answer was equivocal there was no confiscation and please God with the efforts on foot for the instruction of the converts there would be no necessity for it in the future but if there should be, provision would be made to protect the lords, and meanwhile a commission could decide as to what would be just for the past. Charles, in fact, the next year, at Saragossa, issued a pragmatica, ordering that, when the new converts incurred confiscation, the property should be made over to the legal Catholic heirs, without prejudice to the lords of the delinquents. The inquisition, however, was equal to the occasion. It obeyed the law in the letter, but not in the spirit. For in 1547 the cortes complained to the inquisitor general that in lieu of confiscation the saragossa tribunal imposed fines greater than the wealth of a penitent who to meet them were obliged to sell all their property and impoverish their kindred to this the contemptuous answer was returned that if any one was aggrieved he could apply to the inquisitors or to the suprema in valencia the contest was more prolonged The Cortes of 1537 reiterated the old complaints and asked Charles to order the tribunals to obey the law, which he promised to do. The Suprema rejoined, in a consulta, that confiscation was the most efficient penalty for the suppression of heresy. The culprit could escape burning by reconciliation, and without confiscation heresy would be unpunished. The Inquisition accordingly went on confiscating and in 1542 under urgent complaints by the Cortes Charles assented to a law that the dominium utile of the culprit should revert to the dominium directum of the Lord and that the royal officials under pain of a thousand florins should put the Lord in possession the Pope seems to have been appealed to to make the inquisition obey For in a brief of August 2nd, 1546, which virtually suspended it, he decreed that for ten years, and during the pleasure of the Holy See, there should be neither fines nor confiscation in the case of Moriscos. Royal and papal utterances were alike in vain. In 1547, the Cortes renewed the complaint of the persistence of the Inquisition and introduced the new feature of asking that the Inquisitor General should join in the signing of the Fuero, thus recognizing him as an independent power in the state prince philip promised to obtain his signature but it was not done again in 1552 and 1564 the same comedy was acted but philip's promise in the latter year was neutralized by the specific instructions of the suprema to the valencia tribunal to confiscate morisco property without regarding what the people might say about having a privilege against confiscation at length a compromise was reached In 1537, the Cortes had suggested a payment to the Inquisition of 400 ducats per annum in return for Morisco impunity from pecuniary penance, but the Suprema had refused the proposition as inadequate and as a disservice to God. In 1571, negotiations were renewed, resulting in a royal cedula of October 12th, reciting that the Inquisitor General Espinoza had condescended to grant the Moriscos of Valencia the articles presented by them. These provided that in consideration of an annual payment of 50,000 sueldos, or 2,500 ducats, to the tribunal, the property of those contributing to it should be exempt from confiscation. Warning, moreover, was taken from the experience of Aragon, and fines were limited to 10 ducats, but the alhamas of the culprits were responsible for their payment. It rested with the Alhamas whether or not to come into the arrangement, but so many of them did so, that thenceforth it was spoken of commonly as in force throughout Valencia. This suited the Inquisition as assuring it a settled income. It relieved the Moriscos from the ever-present dread of pauperism and the miseries of sequestration, and it gratified the nobles and churches by securing them from the alienation of their lands and the impoverishment of their vassals. To the rigid churchmen, however, it was a compact with evil and an encouragement of heresy. Archbishop Ribera of Valencia protested against it, and Bishop Pérez of Segorbe, in 1595 advocated its revocation, but Philip II resolved that it should continue during the period agreed upon for the instruction of the Moriscos. The tribunal naturally took care to increase its assured income by exploiting to the fullest its remaining power of inflicting fines, and it did so with little regard to the limitation. In 1595 the Alhamas complained of these infractions. That such a complaint continued to be justified would appear from the alto de fe of january 7th 1607 alluded to above volume 2 page 395 where there were 20 fines of 10 ducats each on moriscos of whom only eight were reconciled besides other fines one of 20 one of 30 and one of 50. end of section 43